For the Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with man. And when the Spirit ceaseth to strive with man, then cometh speedy destruction, and this grieveth my soul. As I spake concerning the convincing of the Jews that Jesus is the very Christ, it must needs be that the Gentiles be convinced also that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. Now, this is an interesting verse because Nephi has already defined Gentiles being used in the Book of Mormon as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So as we continue to read, I would pose the question, seeing our day, why would Nephi say that the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, like the Jews, would have need to be convinced that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. Verse 13, And that he manifested himself unto all those who believe in him by the power of the Holy Ghost, yea, unto every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, working mighty miracles, signs, wonders among the children of men, according to their faith. And again, you're commenting on faith. We normally define faith as belief. And while belief and trust are actually hope, and we must combine hope with faith, that isn't what faith is. Faith is seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation. So, in other words, through the process of seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation, mighty miracles are worked, signs are given, and wonders are worked among the children of men, according to their faith. So, if we're not experiencing these things, if our community isn't receiving these things. Perhaps we should look at our own seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation. But behold, I prophesy unto you concerning the last days, concerning the days when the Lord God shall bring these things forth unto the children of men. After my seed and the seed of my brethren shall have dwindled in unbelief and shall have been smitten by the Gentiles. Yea, after the Lord God shall have camped against them round about. Okay. This brings up another point. So occasionally, um, in the Book of Mormon, the writers refer to a Gentile nation. And, you know, when referring to a Gentile nation versus a Gentile people, um, you know, that does open it up to, you know, the inhabitants of North America in general. And there are a few instances of that in the Book of Mormon. You know, but most often the term Gentiles is referring to a specific people. And that specific people, you know, are the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Continuing in verse 15. Yea, after the Lord God shall have camped against them round about, and shall have laid siege against them with a mount, and raised forts against them, and after they shall have been brought down low in the dust, 
even that they are not. Yet the words of the righteous shall be written, and the prayers of the faithful shall be heard. And all those who have dwindled in unbelief shall not be forgotten. For those who shall be destroyed shall speak unto them from the ground. And their speech shall be low out of the dust, and their voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit. For the Lord God will give unto him power, that he may whisper concerning them, even as it were out of the ground, and their speech shall whisper out of the dust. Now, specifically, you know, Nephi is declaring that the words of Book of Mormon prophets um, will be particularly germane to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then in the future, when, you know, the missionary forces that, you know, begin, you know, on the end time exodus will take the fullness of the gospel to the Lamanites. Um, because the Book of Mormon prophets saw our day, they're giving us direct commentary and advice and counsel. And so back in verse 12, and I spake concerning the convincing of the Jews that Jesus is the very Christ. It must needs be that the Gentiles be convinced also that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. So in this context, uh, Nephi is talking about um, the establishment of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and those who would belong to it. And then he hearkens, you know, backward um, to, you know, how the Book of Mormon would come forth and what would happen to the remnant of his people and how it would happen. Verse 17. For thus saith the Lord God, they shall write the things which shall be done among them, and they shall be written and sealed up in a book. And those who have dwindled in unbelief shall not have them. For they seek to destroy the things of God. Wherefore, as those who have been destroyed, have been destroyed speedily, and the multitude of their terrible ones shall be as chaff that passeth away. Yea, thus saith the Lord God, it shall be at an instant, suddenly. And it shall come to pass that those who have dwindled in unbelief shall be smitten by the hand of the Gentiles. Again, referring to the Gentile nation. And the Gentiles are lifted up in pride of their eyes and have stumbled because of the greatness of the stumbling block that they have built up many churches. Nevertheless, they put down the power and miracles of God and preach up unto themselves their own wisdom and their own learning, that they may get gain and grind upon the face of the poor. And there are many churches built up which cause envies and strifes and malice. And there are also secret combinations, even as in times of old, according to the commandments of the, de according to the combinations of the devil, for he is the founder of, of all these things, yea, the founder of murder and works of darkness, yea, he leadeth them by the neck with a flaxen cord until he bindeth them with his strong cords forever. For behold, my beloved brethren, I say unto you that the Lord God worketh not in darkness. He hath not anything. He doeth not anything, save it be for the benefit of the world. For he loveth the world, even that he layeth down his own life, that he may draw all men unto him. Wherefore he commandeth none 
but they shall not partake of his salvation. Behold, doth he cry unto any, saying, Depart from me? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. But he saith, Come unto me, all ye ends of the earth, by milk and honey, without price, without money, and without price. Behold, hath he commanded that they should depart out of the synagogues or out of the houses of worship? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. Hath he commanded any that they should not partake of his salvation? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. But he hath given it free for all men. And he hath commanded his people that they should persuade all men to repentance. Behold, hath the Lord commanded any that they should not partake of his goodness? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. But all men are privileged, one like unto the other, and none are forbidden. He commandeth that there shall be no priestcrafts, for priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for light unto the world, that they may get gain and praise of the world. But they seek not for the welfare of Zion. Behold, the Lord hath forbidden this thing, wherefore the Lord God hath given a commandment, that all men should have charity, which charity is love, and except they should live, and except they should have charity, they were nothing. Wherefore, if they should have charity, they would not suffer the laborer in Zion to perish. But the laborer in Zion shall labor for Zion. For if they labor for money, they shall perish. And verse 33. For none of these iniquities come of the Lord. For he doeth that which is good among the children of men. And he doeth nothing, save it be plain unto the children of men. And he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him black and white, bond and free, male and female. And he remembereth the heathen and all are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile. And you know, remember that often in the Book of Mormon, the term Jew uh, is referring to the broader house of Israel you know, who, you know, is not of, you know, the mixed lineage of Ephraim and, you know, already in North America, you know, but then let's, let's go back to these verses. Um, again, verse 12, and let's put it in context with verses 20. 21 and 22. As I spake concerning the convincing of the Jews, that Jesus is the very Christ, it must needs be that the Gentiles, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, be convinced also that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. And then going forward to verse 20. And the Gentiles or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, are lifted up in the pride of their eyes and have stumbled because of the greatness of the stumbling block. You know, this stumbling block of the Gentiles uh, is referred to many times by Nephi. And, you know, Nephi defines the stumbling blocks of the Gentiles or the stumbling blocks of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as our iniquity. 
And, you know, Moroni, you're referring to, you know, this iniquity in Ether chapter 8. Or, pardon me, in Ether chapter 4. When talking about the coming forth of the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. In verse 6, he said, For the Lord said unto me, They, the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, shall not go forth unto the Gentiles, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, until the day that they shall repent of their iniquity and become clean before the Lord. So I would I would pose the question, what exactly is this iniquity? What is the stumbling block of the Gentiles that is keeping us from receiving the greater light and truth and knowledge that the Lord has waiting for us? Verse 7, And in that day that they shall exercise faith in me, saith the Lord, even as did the brother of Jared. So in that day that the members of the church seek after, receive, and act on revelation to the same degree or measure that the brother of Jared did, that they may be sanctified in me. Then will I manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw, even to the unfolding unto them of all my revelations, saith Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven, and of earth, and all things that in them are. Well, I would submit to you that the stumbling block of the Gentile, the iniquity of the Gentile, is summed up by the Lord in DNC um, 84. If we go to DNC 84, starting in verse 54. And your minds in time past have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things which you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. And it's this vanity and unbelief which is the stumbling block of the Gentiles. It is this vanity and unbelief which is the iniquity of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the Lord is about to tell us precisely what this vanity and unbelief are. Verse 56, And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant in the Book of Mormon. And the former commandments which I have given them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. So the new covenant in the Book of Mormon is offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit. It's the exact opposite. As Nephi says, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have been lifted up in their own pride. And being lifted up in our own pride is the opposite of a broken heart and contrite spirit. It is a refusal to enter in by the very gate by which we might enter into the rest of the Lord. It is the refusal to do what is required, that Christ might extend his name to us individually, that we might take his name upon us. As he adopts us as his sons and his daughters, 
through the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thereafter, we might be taught exactly what the Lord would have us do. To enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And this is the stumbling block of the Gentiles. And this is the iniquity of the Gentiles or of the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And continuing on, the Lord tells us that if we as a church don't repent of the hardness of our heart, of our refusal to enter into this new covenant, that there would remain a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon us. And remember, this is given in 1832. Verse 58, that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom. Well, what is fruit meat for the father's kingdom? Well, it's to become a son or daughter of Christ through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the, the fruit that Christ seeketh to lay up in store unto himself. Otherwise, there remaineth a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, nay. And an understanding of the stumbling block is going to be critical as we continue to read the words of Nephi as, as he admonished the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to repent and return and enter into the new covenant that they might become God's people. So, if we go back to 2 Nephi 26, verse 20. And the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are lifted up in the pride of their eyes and have stumbled because of the greatness of the stumbling block. You know, for... We, we no longer know what the new covenant is. We no longer know what it means to seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, as further evidence of that, you know, if we go a few pages forward, the second Nephi 28, verse 26. Well, Let's start in verse 24. Therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Back to 2 Nephi 26, verse 20. And they have stumbled because of the greatness of their stumbling block, that they have built up many churches. Nevertheless, they put down the power and miracles of God. Well, what did we just read in chapter 28, verse 26, about the Latter-day Saints? That we hearken unto the precepts of men, that we deny the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is this not what is being said by Nephi in different words? In 2 Nephi 26, verse 20. That we have put down the power and miracles of God and preach up unto ourselves our own wisdom and our own learning. That we may get gain 
and grind upon the face of the poor. Well, I would ask you, how exactly are the Latter-day Saints guilty of these things? Putting down the miracles of God, relying upon our own wisdom and learning that we may get gain. And verse 22, and there are also secret combinations, even in times of old, even as in times of old, according to the combinations of the devil. For he is the founder of all these things and the founder of murder and works of darkness. Yet he leadeth them by the neck with a flaxen cord, even until he bindeth them. I can't get a hold of Bella. Oh, she here? Yeah, she's back there with me, but I walked down she to look for you guys. Sounds like she'd love to come. Let's get her. Okay, sounds like someone unmuted themselves accidentally. So we're going to cross-reference verse twenty-two with Ether chapter 8. Now, the secret combinations that Nephi is talking about, in what context is he talking about these secret combinations? Because, you know, usually when we seek about or think about secret combinations, we, we put them in the political and sometimes the business realm. But that is not the context in which Nephi is talking about secret combinations. And again, Moroni is going to clarify the words of Nephi in talking about secret combinations among the Latter-day Saints. Ether chapter 8, verse 23. Wherefore, O ye members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Gentiles. It is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins, and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you. Now, he's not talking about the Gentile nation. Moroni here is talking specifically about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And when he says, do not allow these murderous combinations to get above you, he's not talking about in government power. He's talking about getting above you in church authority, which are built up to get power and gain, and the work, yea, even the work of destruction come upon you. Yea, even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction, if ye shall suffer these things to be. So Moroni says, O members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, be wise. Don't allow this to happen to you. But in verse 24, he says, but when it does. Wherefore, the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation, because the secret combination which shall be among you, or woe be unto it because of the blood of them who have been slain. For they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it, and also upon those who built it up. Now, if we go back to 2 Nephi 26, I'm going to read verse 22 one more time. And there are also secret combinations, 
even as in times of old, according to the combinations of the devil. For he is the founder of all these things. Yea, the founder of murder and works of darkness. So both Nephi and Moroni, in connection with the warning to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, have named specifically that one of their crimes is murder and works of darkness. Yea, and he leadeth them by the neck with a flaxen cord until he bindeth them with his strong cords forever. And I'd like to cross to reference that with 2 Nephi 28, verse 21. And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. Again, Nephi is talking about the Latter-day Saints. Now let's go to Second Nephi chapter 27. But behold, in the last days, or in the days of the Gentiles, or in the days of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yea, behold, all the nations of the Gentiles and also the Jew, both those who shall come upon this land and those who shall be upon other lands, yea, even upon all the lands of the earth, behold, they shall be drunken with iniquity and all manner of abominations. So. There's a difference between iniquity and abominations. The iniquity spoken of here and that Moroni spoke about in Ether chapter 4, that the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints had need to repent of were our false traditions. And the philosophies of men that we have accepted as doctrine because we don't seek after the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. We, we don't do as Nephi did and also desire to see and to hear and to know for ourselves. We don't test things by the Spirit and thus we, ex we rely upon the arm of flesh and we accept as doctrine things which are either spoken or written, not by the power and authority of God or the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And the chief iniquity that the Latter-day Saints have need to repent of, as is pointed out in the Doctrine and Covenants and Book of Mormon, is that we have rejected the new covenant in the Book of Mormon. We have rejected the very foundation of the doctrine of Christ, the very path that would lead us to the gate of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that we might continue and come unto Christ and partake of salvation and go on unto exaltation. Behold, they shall be drunken 
with iniquity and all manner of abominations. Now, abominations, you know, are sin. So the problem of Latter-day Saints would be both sin and false tradition. Verse 2, and when that day shall come, they shall be visited of the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquake and with great noise and with storm and with tempest and with the flame of devouring fire. And all the nations that fight against Zion and that distress her shall be as a dream of a night vision. Now notice that Nephi, through the words of the prophet Isaiah, you know, Isaiah chapter 29, is making a distinction between the Gentiles, or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and Zion. Because Zion is first created from a subset of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So this Zion is created in the following manner. So first... Uh, DNC 101. Well, actually, let's let's first go to DNC 84. DNC 101, verse 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Go and gather together the residue of my servants, and take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle aged, also among all my servants, who are the strength of my house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry. So this is the word of the Lord to his end time servant, Joseph Smith Jr as is specified in DNC 103, um, in not his first ministry, but his second ministry, to go gather out the servants and assemble them, and then they are to begin the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house. Or those who have taken the Holy Spirit as their guide, therefore they find the truth and are not deceived. And Joseph, and the end time servants are to declare to them the doctrine of Christ, speaking by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And it's, it's those who take the Holy Spirit as their guide. Therefore, they find the truth and are not deceived. They are they who have created Zion within them. So that when the end time servants declare the doctrine of Christ, the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, to seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, they receive it with gladness. They are they who are the foundations of Zion. And as they are gathered, you know, this is the establishment of Zion. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and really, you know, all of the restoration branches are the seed, you know, for this group, which is called Zion. And in Isaiah, Zion and Jerusalem are both places 
and ascension levels. They are strata of people. And, you know, Zion and Jerusalem are specifically those individuals who have entered into the new covenant and are either actively seeking after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, um, meaning that they are seeking earnestly to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit and to do this with integrity or those who have received it and are seeking to be instructed about how to enter into the rest of the Lord. You know, these are they who are Zion in um, Zion's or in Isaiah's uh, language. And all the nations that fight against Zion or those who have entered into the new covenant and that distress her shall be as a dream of a night vision. Yea, it shall be unto them even as unto a hungry man, which dreameth, and behold, he eateth. But he awaketh, and his soul is empty, or like unto the thirsty man which dreameth. And behold, he drinketh, but he awakeneth, and behold, he is faint. And his soul hath appetite. Yea, even so shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. For behold, all ye that doeth iniquity, stay yourselves and wonder. For ye shall cry out, and cry ye, ye shall be drunken, but not with wine. Ye shall stagger, but not with strong drink. For behold, the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep. For behold, ye have closed your eyes, and have rejected the prophets, and your rulers and your seers hath he covered because of your iniquity, or because of your doggedly hanging to your false traditions. When the spirit is actively crying unto you and calling you back to the path of the Lord and is pointing out to you the iniquity which you believe and which you hold on to and which you will not let go because because it is your tradition and because it is comfortable. Verse 6, and it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall bring forth unto you the words of a book. They shall be the words of them which have slumbered. And behold, the book shall be sealed. And in the book shall be a revelation from God, from the beginning of the world to the ending thereof. Now, the book which comes forward, which has a revelation from God from the beginning of the world to the ending thereof. Um, the fullness of that record actually is brought forth by the hand of Joseph Smith in his second ministry. And Nephi and Isaiah are going to talk about both Joseph Smith's first and his second ministries. Verse 8, Wherefore, because of the things which are sealed up, the things which are sealed shall not be <coughs> delivered in the day of wickedness and abominations of the people. Wherefore, the book shall be kept from them. 
but the book shall be delivered unto a man, and he shall deliver the words of the book, which are the words of those who have slumbered in the dust, and shall deliver these words unto another. But the words which are sealed he shall not deliver, neither shall he deliver the book, for the book shall be sealed by the power of God, and the revelation which was sealed shall be kept in the book until the own due time of the Lord, that they may come forth, for behold, they reveal all things from the foundation of the world until the end thereof. Now, this being the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. And the day cometh that the words of the book, which, are, which were sealed, shall be read upon the housetops, and they shall be read by the power of Christ, and all things be revealed unto the children of men, which ever have been among the children of men, which ever will be, even unto the end of the earth. Wherefore, at that day, when the book shall be delivered unto the man of whom I have spoken, the book shall be hid from the eyes of the world, and the eyes of none shall behold it, save it be three witnesses, who shall behold it by the power of God, besides him to whom the book shall be delivered. And they shall testify of the truth of the book and of the things therein. And there is none other thing which shall view it. And there is none other which shall view it, save it be a few according to the will of God, to bear testimony of his word unto the children of men. For the Lord God has said that the words of the faithful should speak as if it were from the dead. Wherefore, the Lord God will proceed to bring forth the words of the book. And in the mouth of as many witnesses as seemeth him good, will he establish his word. And woe be unto him that rejecteth the word of God. But behold, it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall say unto him, to whom he shall deliver the book, take these words which are not sealed, and deliver them to another, that he may show them unto the learned, saying, read this, I pray thee, and the learned shall say, bring hither the book, and I will read them. And now because of the glory of the world, and to get gain, will they say this, and not for the glory of God. And the man shall say, I cannot bring the book, for it is sealed. Then shall the learned say, I cannot read it. Wherefore it shall come to pass that the Lord God will deliver again the book and the words thereof to him that is not learned. And the man that is not learned shall say, I am not learned. And then the Lord God say unto him, the learned shall not read them, for they have rejected them, and I am able to do mine own work. Wherefore, thou shalt read unto the words which I give unto thee. Touch not the things which are sealed, for I will bring them forth in mine own due time. For I will show unto the children of men that I am able to do mine own work. Wherefore, when thou hast read the words which I have commanded thee, and obtain the witness which I have promised unto thee. Then shalt thou seal up the book again, and hide it up unto me, that I may preserve the words which thou hast not read, until I shall see fit in my own wisdom to reveal all things unto the children of men. For behold, I am God, and I am a God of miracles, and I will show unto the world that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I work not among the children of men, save it be according to their faith. And again, it shall come to pass that the Lord shall say unto him that shall read the word that shall be delivered him. For as much as this people draw near unto me with their mouths 
and their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. So here again, Nephi is telling us in no uncertain terms exactly who he is talking to and who he was talking to in chapter 26. You know, again, look at the words of verse 24. And again, it shall come to pass that the Lord shall say unto him, that shall read the words that shall be delivered him. For as much as this people, or the people that the Book of Mormon is going forward to, or in other words, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For inasmuch as they draw near unto me with their mouth, and their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me. So the question I pose, how do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, honor God with our lips and with our mouth or in the things that we say or in our outward performances, but have removed our hearts far from Jesus Christ. And their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. So here again, we have the iniquity of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're performing outward ordinances, and we're saying that we have taken Christ's name upon us. However, we do not know him. And our outward performances are empty because we do not draw unto Jesus Christ with our hearts. Or we do not offer up unto him our broken hearts and contrite spirits. And that which we accept is, as doctrine is mingled with, as it says at the end of verse 25, the precepts of men. Therefore, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, you know, among the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And what is this marvelous work? It's the return of Joseph Smith and the end-time servants, the opening again of the heavens, the restoration of the knowledge of the new covenant, and the ability to again become a Zion people, which opportunity was extended to us under Joseph Smith during his first ministry and is again extended to us during his second. Therefore, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people. Yea, a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise and learned shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent shall be hid. So I would... I. I guess I would pose the obvious question. Among the Latter-day Saints, at the beginning of this marvelous work and wonder, who are they that we consider to be our wise and our learned? For it says 
for the wisdom of their wise and learned shall perish. And the understanding of the prudent shall be hid. And woe unto them that seek to deep, to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, who seeth us, and who knoweth us? And they also say, surely, your turning of these of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. But behold, I was shown to them, saith the Lord of hosts, that I know all their works. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding? But behold, saith the Lord of hosts, I will show unto the children of men that it is yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of the obscurity and out of darkness. So, even though, as declared in DNC 84, Verse 55, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant, even the Book of Mormon. And may I submit to you that this prophecy referred not to the day when the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints would repent during Joseph Smith's first ministry, but during his second. That during his second ministry, the members, or at least a group of members of the church, would have the scales of darkness fall from their eyes, and their ears and their hearts would be opened. And they would learn again of the new covenant, and they would enter into it. And so, back in 2 Nephi 27. So, so that day, when a group of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints would again enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, would begin to seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then would be gathered together, even by the end-time servant, and would be led on, led on an exodus where we would meet up with Enoch and the return of his city for the establishment of New Jerusalem. It's this establishment of New Jerusalem is what is being talked about in verse 28. But behold, saith the Lord of hosts, I will show unto the children of men that it is yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. So even though the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have been in a deep slumber and have had the doctrine of Christ obscured from them, um, yet it would be declared again to them, the heavens would again be opened, and they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and repent and be healed, as Isaiah would say.
And, you know, again in verse 29, and in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book. So even though the fullness of the doctrine of Christ has been in the pages of the Book of Mormon the whole time, yet we've been deaf and hard-hearted. And even though it's been right in front of our eyes, we have not seen it and we have not heard it. But in the end time before the coming of Christ, with the return of Joseph and the servants, those among the Latter-day Saints who would, would again learn of the doctrine of Christ as contained in the pages of the Book of Mormon. Verse 30. And the meek also shall increase. And their joy shall be in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For assuredly, as the Lord liveth, they shall see that the, the, the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. And they that make man make man an offender for a word, and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. That make a man an offender for a word, and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate. Well, in Second Nephi 32, Nephi tells us exactly what the gate is. And the gate is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he who reproveth in the gate would be one um, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who would rail against um, those who would embrace the doctrine of Christ and diligently seek after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and to enter into the rest of the Lord. Verse 33, Therefore, thus saith the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. And when he seeth his children, the work of my hands in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name, and shall sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. Well, how does this happen? Well, this is the end-time gathering of Israel, which is kicked off by the return of Joseph, and first gathering out the believing blood of Israel among the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that they might be assembled in one place, even Zion that they might be led out on an end-time exodus to establish the city of New Jerusalem with Enoch and his people. And from that point forward, the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ might go to the four corners of the earth to be taught in power and authority. And that all, from whatever land that they may be in, who will accept the doctrine of Christ and enter into that covenant may come to Zion. Now let's go to second Nephi 28 and Nephi is going to give us a further commentary on the words of Isaiah and how exactly they pertain 
to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, both member and leadership. Verse 1, And now, behold, my brethren, I have spoken unto you according as the Spirit hath constrained me. Wherefore, I know that they must surely come to pass, and the things which shall be written out of the book shall be of great worth unto the children of men, especially unto our seed, which is a remnant of the house of Israel. For it shall come to pass that in that day that the churches which are built up and not unto the Lord. When the one shall say unto the other, Behold, I, I am the Lord's. And the other shall say, I, I am the Lord's. And thus shall every one say that he hath built up churches and not unto the Lord. So... I guess I would pose the question, who is it that claims that they have everything that was restored to the Prophet Joseph Smith when the Doctrine and Covenants and the Book of Mormon clearly evidence that they do not? And they shall contend one with another, and the priests shall contend one with another. And they shall teach with their learning, and deny the Holy Ghost which giveth utterance. So, you know, this this concept of denying the Holy Ghost which giveth utterance is going to be brought up again. And I would call your minds forward to verse 31, which says, Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So how are we denying the Holy Ghost? There are two ways. One, we're denying that the only path to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, by one who has been ordained and sealed unto this power, is that we offer up our broken hearts and contrite spirits. That's way number one that we are denying um, the Holy Ghost. The second way that we are denying the Holy Ghost is that we put down those who speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, and we accept as doctrine those who do not speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. So, back in verse 4 in 2 Nephi 28. And they shall contend one with another, and their priests shall contend one with another, and they shall teach their learning. So they're teaching their learning and not the doctrine of God. And they deny the power of God, the Holy One of Israel. And they say unto the people, hearken unto us, and hear ye our precept. For behold, there is no God today. For the Lord and the Redeemer hath done his work, and he hath given his power unto men. For the very essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that every man, every woman must take the Holy Spirit as their guide. Therefore, by taking the Holy Spirit as their guide, by seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, each man, each woman, That is how they find the truth and are not deceived. 
Um, but most among us have shirked this responsibility and we have given it unto others. And we say it is the job of others to receive revelation for us. And, and when they do, we check it not, you know, with God. We care not if they speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Um, but we accept it because of our traditions. Verse 6. Behold, hearken ye unto my precept. If they shall say there is a miracle wrought by the hand of the Lord, believe it not. For this day he is not a God of miracles. He hath done his work. Um, you know, why, why don't we see the outpouring of the Spirit? Why don't we see the miracles that happened in the days of Joseph Smith and anciently with Christ and his apostles. Do you have the faith not to be healed? Yea, and there shall be many which shall say, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And it shall be well with us. And there shall also be many which shall say, Eat, drink, and be merry. Nevertheless, fear God. He will justify in committing a little sin. Yea, lie a little. Take advantage of one because of his words. Dig a pit for thy neighbor. There is no harm in this. And do all these things for tomorrow we die. And if it so be that we are guilty, God will beat us with a few stripes. And at the last, we shall be saved in the kingdom of our God. Um, or the, the philosophies of men that say, you know, there is, you know, one life which is lived on Sunday and quite a different set of ethics and morality that is used in business and is used in the other six days of the week. Yea, and there shall be many, verse 9, which shall teach after this manner false and vain and foolish doctrines, and shall be puffed up in their hearts, and shall seek deep to hide their counsels from the Lord, and their work shall be in the dark. And the blood of the saints shall cry from the ground against them. And they shall all have gone out of the way. They have become corrupted. Because of pride and because of false teachers and false doctrine, their churches have been corrupted. And their churches are lifted up because of pride they are puffed up. And Nephi is talking directly about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They rob the poor because of their fine sanctuaries. They rob the poor because of their fine clothing. They persecute the meek and the poor in heart because in their pride, they're puffed up. They wear stiff necks and high heads. And because of pride and wickedness and abominations and whoredoms, they have all gone astray, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. So how many times has Nephi just said all of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have gone astray? You know, he gives a caveat, save it be a few, who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. Oh, the wise and the learned, the rich, they that are puffed up in the pride of their hearts, and all those who preach false doctrines, 
and all those who commit whoredoms and pervert the right ways of the Lord. Woe, 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 or cursed, cursed, cursed. Be unto them, saith the Lord God Almighty, for they shall be thrust down to hell. Again, talking about those in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Woe, woe unto them that turn aside the just for a thing of naught, and revile against that which is good, and say that it is of no worth. For the day shall come that the Lord God will speedily visit the inhabitants of the earth, and in that day that they are fully ripe in iniquity, they shall perish. But behold, if the inhabitants of the earth shall repent of their wickedness and abominations, they shall not be destroyed, saith the Lord God of hosts. But behold, that great and abominable church, the whore of all the earth, must tumble to the earth, and great must be the fall thereof. For the kingdom of the devil must shake, and they which belong to it must needs be stirred up unto repentance, or the devil will grasp them with his everlasting chains. And they shall be stirred up to anger and perish. For behold, at that day shall shall he rage in the hearts of the children of men, and stir them up unto anger against that which is good. Again, how does this pertain to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to whom Nephi is speaking? And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that he will say, all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And behold, others he flattereth away and telleth them, that there is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, for there is none. And thus he whispereth in their ears, that the gra- and until he grasps them with this awful chains, from whence there is no deliverance. And they are grasped with a death and hell, and death and hell. And the devil and all that, that have been seized therein must stand before the throne of God to be judged according to their works, from whence they must go into the place prepared for them, even a lake of fire and brimstone which is endless torment. Therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men, denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yea, woe be unto him that saith we have received and we need no more. This is not talking about the non-letter Satan Christians who say we have a Bible, we don't need the Book of Mormon. It's talking about the members of the church who say that we have conference addresses and lesson manuals. Therefore, we need no more of the word of God. Yea, and in fine, woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness. And he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth, lest he shall fall. So that's a great test to know precisely where one is at. Declare unto them the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of a broken heart and contrite spirit, seeking after and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and entering into the rest of the Lord, and becoming Christ's people by having him extend his name to us, that we might take it upon us. And those who are built upon Christ and revelation will receive it with gladness. While those who are built upon anything other than Christ and revelation will be angered because of the truth. Woe be unto him that shall say that we have received the word of God and we need no more the word of God, for we have enough. For we hold thus saith the Lord God, 
I will give unto the children of men line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. And blessed are those who shall hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear unto my counsel. For they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth I will give more. And from them that shall say we have enough, from them shall be taken away even that which they have. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So, there are true messengers. When we hear Joseph Smith teaching in power and authority, that is not, to accept his words, is not to rely upon uh, the arm of flesh or hearkening unto the precepts of men because those words are given and uttered by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. But woe be unto that man or that woman who rejects words pronounced by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost or receives those which are not. Woe be unto the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints slash Gentiles. In verse 32, saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day, they will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. For the Lord is still gathering his people into the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints so that they can awaken to the fullness of the doctrine of Christ and ascend from the telestial order to the terrestrial order of the gospel or church of Christ and from there to the Holy of Holies or church of the firstborn. Now let's go to Second Nephi. Chapter 6. And we get into some more Isaiah. And in 2 Nephi chapter 6, um, we get, you know, in these verses 6 and 7 and 11 through 18, we get uh, part of Isaiah 49. And, you know, Isaiah 48 and 49 are quoted in 1 Nephi 20 and 21. And it's all about the return of Joseph Smith and how we will know him. And Isaiah tells us that the how we will know him is that, one, he will speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Two, he will declare that the words that he has already spoken and the prophecies that he has already made, which are recorded in scripture, i.e. the doctrine and covenants, have now been fulfilled. And he will also utter forth uh, mysteries or things which have never been revealed from the foundation of the world. And so, 2 Nephi 6, 6 and 7. And now these are the words, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. 
and they shall bow down to thee with their faces towards the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Well, to gain a deep, deeper understanding about the spiritual level that is being talked about there, let's go to DNC 76. And in DNC 76, starting at verse 54, and so this is after verse 51, um, baptism by water into the trustful order is received. In verse 52, the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is performed. And verse 53, ascending into God's presence and having one's calling and election made sure or to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise who is Christ. In the seventh heaven, um, after those things takes place, verse 54, they are they who are the church of the firstborn. And then the next spiritual level of ascension after that is to be ordained and sealed to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood for men and to the matriarchal order for women. And this is what is being talked about starting in verse 55. They are they into whose hands the Father hath given all things. They are they who are priests and kings who have received of his fullness and of his glory. Now notice this doesn't say to be ordained kings and priests. These are they who are kings and priests, queens and priestesses, which, although Joseph was ordained to this order of the priesthood on June 4th, 1831, it took him 12 years until 1843 to have this priesthood sealed upon him, whereby he became a king and a priest unto the Most High God. Verse 57, and are priests of the Most High after the order of Melchizedek, which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten son. Wherefore, as it is written there, God's little g, even the sons of God, big g. All right. So, you know, this is the level of um, one who qualifies to be a translated being. Now, an important note about translation. Um, one may ascend to that level and qualify for it and yet not receive the uh, physical change. And this will actually be the case for most who ascend to this level um, before Christ comes in the fullness of his glory, just as it was for Joseph Smith in 1843, even though he qualified uh, or in other words, even though he ascended to the level of a translated being, yet he was not translated because it didn't uh, comport with his mission at the time. And the work that must be done in preparing the earth for the second coming of Jesus Christ is mostly the work of flesh and blood. Uh, only flesh and blood can do the heavy lifting for as soon as one becomes translated, one becomes an assistant to flesh and blood. And one who is translated can no longer do the heavy lifting um, because they're not subject to the vicissitudes of, of this life, of hunger and thirst and cold and heat and exhaustion. 
and every other manner of hardship that we might encounter um, in this celestial mortal life. But, you know, that is the requirement of the Lord. Um, the Lord didn't deliver Joseph Smith out of hardship. It was required that he go through them in uh, the mortal flesh that he might ascend, that he might do the heavy lifting. And so is it with us, and so will it be again with him. You know, he returns with the first labors in the last kingdom, not as translated beings, but as flesh and blood, that they might do the heavy lifting. And we have the opportunity to work shoulder to shoulder with them in doing that heavy lifting. But know that the path of discipleship is not a path of ease and luxury. It is a path of overcoming that which is difficult and doing heavy lifting. But on the end time exodus, um, you know, those who are being talked about here are those who have ascended to the level of translated being and yet have not yet been translated, but have become kings and priests, queens and priestesses. And it is the mission of those who ascend to minister to those who are a spiritual level below them, that they might help them also ascend as they have ascended. And this work here is, um, you know, working with those who have taken the Holy Spirit as their guide, helping them to enter into the new covenant, seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and be prepared to have one of the 144,000 work with them to help them ascend to the church of the firstborn level. So again, verse 6. And now these are the words, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles. Okay, the lifting up of the hand to the Gentiles um, in Isaiah's metaphorical imagery is the return of Joseph Smith. And set up my standard to the people. Um, the doctrine of Christ as uttered in the words of the Book of Mormon by Joseph Smith, by the end time servants, and all those who will join shoulder to shoulder with them is the standard to God's people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and queens thy nursing mothers. All right. Verses 11 through 18. Wherefore, after they are driven to and fro, for thus saith the angel, many shall be afflicted in the flesh, and shall not be suffered to perish because of the prayers of the faithful. They shall be scattered and smitten and hated. Nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them, that when they shall come to the knowledge of the Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again to the land of their inheritance. You know, let's, let's get some more context. Um, let's start in verse 8. And now I, Jacob, would speak somewhat concerning these words. For behold, the Lord has shown me that those who were at Jerusalem from whence we came have been slain and carried away captive. 
Nevertheless, the Lord has shown unto me that they should return again. And also has shown unto me that the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, should manifest himself unto them in the flesh. And after he should manifest himself, they should scourge him and crucify him according to the words of the angel who spake it unto me. And after they have hardened their hearts and stiffened their necks against the Holy One of Israel, behold, the judgments of the Holy One of Israel shall come upon them. And the day cometh that they shall be smitten and afflicted. Wherefore, after they are driven to and fro, for thus saith the angel, many shall be afflicted in the flesh and shall not be suffered to perish because of the prayers of the faithful. They shall be scattered and smitten and hated. Nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them that when they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again to the lands of their inheritance. And blessed are the Gentiles, they of whom the prophet has written. For behold, it is so, if it so be that they shall repent and fight not against Zion. Okay, so you're talking about the Jews who rejected Christ at his first coming. And now talking about the Latter-day Saints who rejected Christ uh, when the fullness of the gospel was restored to them under the hands of Joseph Smith. Rejecting exactly as did the children of Israel under Moses. That they rejected the new covenant in the Book of Mormon. And they rejected their opportunities to become sons and daughters of Christ. And that's what we, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, has done. But the Lord doesn't cast us off forever. His arm is still extended to us. And he invites us to again become his people. And blessed are the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they of whom the prophet has written. For behold, if it so be that they shall repent... So blessed are the Gentiles, remember the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who repent and fight not against Zion and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church. Oh, and may I say, in the things we see unfolding before us politically and with this, you know, hoax, of a pandemic and the plagues that will yet be released and the police state, which is coming and the leaders of churches who will align themselves with that police state and fight not against Zion and do not unite themselves to that great and vulnerable church. They shall be saved. For the Lord God will fulfill his covenants which he hath made unto his children. And for this cause, the prophet has written these things, the prophet being Isaiah. Wherefore, they that fight against Zion and the covenant people of the Lord. Well, how do we become the covenant people of the Lord? Um, 3 Nephi chapter 9. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me, verse 20, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is how we become 
God's covenant people. Continuing in 2 Nephi 6, verse 12. For the Lord God will fulfill his covenants which he has made unto his children. For this cause the prophet has written these things. Wherefore they that fight against Zion and the covenant people of the Lord shall lick up the dust of their feet. And the people of the Lord shall not be ashamed. For the people of the Lord are they who wait for him. And they still wait for the coming of the Messiah. And behold, according to the words of the prophet, the Messiah will set himself again the second time to recover them. Wherefore, he will manifest himself unto them in power and great glory, unto the destruction of their enemies, when that day come, when they shall believe in him, and none will destroy that, and none will he destroy that believe in him. And they that will believe not in him shall be destroyed, both by fire and tempest, and earthquake and bloodshed, and by pestilence and by famine. And they shall know that the Lord is God, the Holy One of Israel. For shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. For thus saith the Lord, I will contend with them that contendeth with thee, and I will feed them that oppress thee. And their own flesh, they shall be drunken with their own blood as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord God, and my Savior, thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. And so, you know, what people do those verses have reference to? Okay, again in verse 12. Blessed are the Gentiles, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that shall repent and fight not against Zion, or enter into the New Covenant and who do not unite themselves with a great and abominable church, which means that there will be many Latter-day Saints who do, perhaps even the majority, who unite themselves with the great and abominable church. For they shall be saved, those who enter into the covenant and do not unite themselves. For the Lord God will fulfill his covenants, which he hath made unto the children of men. And in fact, these are they who from among them will become the kings and queens of the Gentiles. Those who will receive um, power and authority in both orders of Melchizedek priesthood. Therefore, they that fight against Zion and the covenant people of the Lord shall lick up the dust of their feet. Okay, so those who enter into the new covenant, you know, before the end time exodus starts, the Lord will support them. And on the end time exodus, even though um, there will be those who seek to destroy them and persecute them, Yet the Lord will be with them, and he will not allow the enemies of God's people to be successful.
for the Messiah will set himself again the second time to recover them. All right. Well, this has multiple applications. So Christ's first attempt to redeem um, Israel, you know, the Gentiles in Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was during Joseph Smith's first ministry. His second time will be during Joseph Smith's second ministry. And it's during Joseph Smith's second ministry that also the Lord will begin to um, also recover his covenant people, the Jews, and the rest of the house of Israel, and bring them into Zion. So the second time, Joseph Smith returns a second time. And that's how this entire second time recovery begins during his second ministry. Both of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Jews, and the rest of the House of Israel. And he will manifest himself unto them in power and great glory unto the destruction of their enemies. And when that day cometh, when they shall not believe, when they shall believe in him, and none will he destroy that believe in him. And they that believe not in him shall be destroyed. So let's cross-reference this with DNC 101. And DNC 101, talking about those who will not believe in him among the Latter-day Saints. Verse 56. After Joseph Smith's return, talked about in verse 55. Go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine I have bought bought it with money. Therefore, get ye straightway unto my land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. Verse 63. And again, verily I say unto you, I will show unto you wisdom in me concerning all the churches or all of the groups among the Latter-day Saints who will enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. As much as they are willing to be guided in a right and proper way for their salvation, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue in this Joseph Smith's second ministry, that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places from the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore, I must gather together my people, according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in garners to possess eternal life and crowned with celestial glory, when I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands be made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. So, at that last day of separation between the wheat and the tares among the Latter-day Saints. Those among the Latter-day Saints who will not enter into the new covenant, not only to say, but also to do with their hearts, will not make it, they will be destroyed. And this is how serious it is. Verse 15 in 2 Nephi 6. Talking about the terrors. They that believe not him, Christ and his servant Joseph Smith, and those 
who speak by the parent authority of the Holy Ghost, shall be destroyed, both by fire and by tempest. And so this is the fulfillment of the scourge and a judgment that is promised in DNC 84 to be poured out upon the saints if they will not repent and return. And this is the beginning of the cleansing that begins in the Lord's own house, which begins with a desolating scourge. And all these things are part of the desolating scourge, in addition to um, a real pandemic. Shall be destroyed both by fire and by tempest, and by earthquakes, and by bloodshed, and by pestilence, and by famine. And they shall know that the Lord is God, the Holy One of Israel. For shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith the Lord, even the captive of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. For the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. Now, I I hope you understand what this is saying, that God's covenant people before that day of deliverance come into a terrible bondage. And may I submit that it's easy right now it will be more difficult when we come into mighty bondage to remain true and faithful because it will seem that the only means of survival will be to join with the great and abominable church. And most will justify joining with the great and abominable church to save themselves and their families, and their loved ones. But God promises his covenant people, for the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. For thus saith the Lord, I will contend with them that contend with thee, and I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. And to to close up for this evening, let's cross-reference that with 1 Nephi chapter 1. Verse 20. And when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him. Yea, even as with the prophets of old, whom he had cast out and stoned and slain. And they also sought his life, that they might take it away. But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance. So I add my witness to Nephi's and Isaiah's that the Lord will show forth his great power as he delivers his people, those who have entered into covenant with him and are doing as well as they can to be true and faithful unto that covenant and are taking the Holy Spirit as their guide and who will not in the face of overwhelming opposition, 
and even in the face of seeming destruction, unite with the great and abominable church, those who will be faithful to God, those who will be wise virgins, the Lord will show forth his power and he will deliver his people and he will lead them to Zion and unto New Jerusalem. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.